Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. Good morning, Windsor Christian Fellowship. We hope you're having a great weekend. My name is Kieran, and this is my mom, Shannon, and we have the privilege to read to you from 1 Peter uh, chapter 3, verses 8 to 17. Finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. For the scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers, but the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. Now, who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Remember, it is better to suffer for doing good if that is what God wants them to suffer for doing wrong. Thank you, church family, and have a wonderful Sunday. Good morning, everyone. How are you doing today? Excited to be here? Some are more excited than others. It's 1125. You should be awake now. Thank you, Mike. How are you doing with your thankfulness challenge? Day 15. Today, I am thankful for Dan, who faithfully logs in every time we have his service and moderates our streams. Hi, friend. It's good to see you. We're grateful for you and all you do. Okay. We've been working on salt and light. How many of you know your salt and your light? And today I want to talk to you about pass the salt. Everyone say pass the salt. You're going to hear me talk about passing the salt a lot. And you know, in that verse that Kieran and Shannon just read for us, you know, and if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Are you always ready to explain the good news? that Jesus saved you? Are you always ready to explain to people that are wondering about the creator who put you here so you could share faith with others? Some of you are more ready than others? Okay. Well, I'm glad you came today because we're gonna have a conversation together. Unbelievers are in deception. If the good news in 2 Corinthians uh, 4, 3 to 7, we preach is hidden behind a veil It is hidden from people who are perishing. Satan, the god of this world, has blinded the minds of those 
who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news, and they don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we can know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not ourselves. You know, one of the things we have to remember is God took us out of the kingdom of darkness and put us into the kingdom of light. He put his light within you and his light shines now inside of your heart. And that light that shines inside of your heart is the truth about Jesus. It's the truth about Jesus that he died for you, that he saved you, that his blood was shed for you. And really, when we take the light that's in us and we share it with others, that's, we're gonna call it passing the salt. We're taking the saltiness that God has placed in us and we're sharing it, we're flavoring the world around us as we've been talking about over the last few weeks. Now in John chapter three, I won't read it, but you know the very popular verse, John three sixteen, that everyone knows about how God loved the world, right? I see people hold up signs at football games talking about John 3.16, right? And then some people just don't have a clue and you see them hold up the name of their favorite wrestler with 3.16 after it. Or are they trying to be blasphemous? I'm not sure. But in verse 18 to 21, if you continue reading that, it talks about they love darkness and they hated the light. Willful disobedience, unwillingness to submit to God or put faith in God, stubbornness in their own ways. Some of you were like that. Was anyone stubborn before God finally got a hold of you? Did anyone take a little while before you actually gave your life to Christ? How about you? You heard the message of hope and you were like, ah, no, not ready. To, I'm not ready to give my life to Christ. None of you ever did that though. I mean, all of you, the first time you ever heard about Jesus, you fell on your knees and you gave life to Christ? Some of you are like that. I have concluded. Oh, I have concluded. <laughs> I've concluded. I'm not reading scriptures anymore. People that say there's no God, the atheists out there, I, th I think I've concluded this. It's easier for them to say that God doesn't exist and live how they want than to acknowledge that there is a God who has a moral standard and that means they have to change the way they live because they're accountable for their actions. And there's people out there today, you know, hey, God has a standard of righteousness. And the truth is, whether you acknowledge it or not, he still has a standard of righteousness. Whether people in the culture acknowledge that God exists or not, there is still a God who exists. There is still a God who has a moral code. And if you don't come into line with his moral code by repenting of your sin and accepting the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, you're going to have a hard conversation with him on Judgment Day. It's not going to go well for you. But see, if people don't want to change their belief system, if people don't want to change the things they believe about God and the world around them, if they want to change the way that they're living, it's easier to say there's no God. Because if there's no God, then they don't have to change the way that they live. But if there is a God, they have to change the way that they live. i got to let you guys in on this little uh, joke because I want to hold my mug like this today, not the other way. So on my mug, it says RJ on one side, which is my name. That's pretty straightforward. On this side is the joke that most of you wouldn't get, but it says, a leader supremo, 
which in Spanish has something to do with supreme leader. So some of you know my friend Roly. Are you in here? Are you hiding out in the hallway? Roly, for years and years, the joke has been he calls me leader supremo, <laughs> a leader supremo. So, um, and then when they were putting names on the offices, they were joking around and they put that up on the wall and said, so I'm not really the supreme leader Jesus is. But it's our inside joke. And, and, and anyway, so if you see that, please don't get too messed up. It's just, it's my mug, man. I drink out of it all week. <laughs> you have a mission, though, to pass the salt, okay? And I think it's important that we as Christians understand that we have to let our light shine. You have to. In Matthew 5, Jesus says, you're the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that can't be hidden. I mean, okay, listen. How many of you have ever looked to the eastern sky from this region at night? That way. And what do you see in the eastern sky? A little bit east and a little bit south. Leamington, that's right. You see lights. You, you know, Leamington. Why? They got so many greenhouses there that 50 kilometers away, the sky is all lit up. You can see the lights in the sky. You're going to look tonight, and you're going to be, oh, he's right. You can see the light out there. That's what that is. But see, when a city's on a hill, the light's set to shine forth. When you, as a Christian, go out in the culture, you should automatically shine forth. No matter where you go, your light should be shining. It should be illuminating the world around you. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it can give light to everyone in the house. In the same way, your good deeds which is your light, should shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So when you do good works, when you do good deeds, when you do kind things to others, this is how your light will shine. At the end of the day, when you do good things, who gets the glory? So your heavenly Father will be glorified. So when we do good things, we don't say, oh, look how great I am. Acknowledge me. What do we do? We point people to Jesus. The good deeds are our light that shine before men so that we can point people to Jesus. You are made in the image of God. You are light. Why not let it shine? Why not pass the salt? Why not share the love of God with others? Why not let your light shine into the lives of those around you? What are some of the reasons we don't do this? There's fear, intimidation, anxiety, Pride? Whose tools are those? Are those God? Does God give you those tools? Are those, are those the enemy's tools? So if those are the enemy's tools, why would we want to operate in fear or intimidation or anxiety? Why would we want to operate in that? Why would we want to allow those things inside of our life? Why would we yield to those temptations? They don't belong to us. They belong to the kingdom of hell and its ruler, Satan. So we, as Christians, need to go in the fruit of the Spirit, the love, the joys, the peace, the courage, the power of God. We need to go with boldness everywhere we go. You got to remember something. We'll get to this, but you are here on earth to take over. God has you here to take over. I say this all the time, and people think I'm kidding. The truth is, if God did not have a plan and a purpose for you here on planet earth, sharing light with other people, I promise you, you would say the prayer, give your life to Christ, and he would smite you and take you home before you messed it up or changed your mind. He's got you here because he wants your light to shine because he wants you to illuminate 
his light everywhere you go. In Romans 1, 16 and 17. I am not ashamed of the good news about Christ. It's the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. The good news tells us how God made us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it's through faith that a righteous person has life. And you put that together with like Mark 16, 15, and he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Or you could go to Matthew 28, where Jesus is giving them the Great Commission. Your part is to shine light about the hope that God has placed within you. Your part. You have to pass the salt. We don't have to be intimidated by things like moral relativism. Because people try to twist everything. Well, you know, I think this. I don't really care what you think. This is what the Bible says. It's truth. You know, we look at all of the things in the culture and secular humanism where man's trying to figure it out and come up with all these great solutions. How's that working for us? I don't think it is. If secular humanism worked, we'd be a much better off as a culture, I assure you. Because a lot of the problems we have today, we didn't have 200 years ago. Not to the degree that we do. How about all religions are equal. I hear that one all the time, too. Religious pluralism. All roads don't lead to God. There's only one way to God, through Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me, period. That is an absolute truth. When you get into religious pluralism, when you get into moral relativism, when you get into secular humanism, suddenly they start putting big question marks on absolute truth because you can't have absolute truth in secular humanism. Absolute truth, truth claims like Jesus made, they don't allow for those unless it's their own truth claim that God doesn't exist, but that's not really a truth claim. That's a dodge, as we talked about. The Holy Scriptures, God's Word, solid, foundational, has stood the test of time. We'll come back to that, but it's His revelation to humans. But what I want you all to understand is your job is to pass the salt, to salt the world around you. Your job is to let your light shine. God's job is to produce the harvest. You don't have to do the work of the Holy Spirit, it's not your job to do His work. We don't have to convict people of sin. How many husbands and wives know that it's not your job to convict your husband or wife of sin? You know now. You don't have to convict your coworker. You just have to live the life. Preach the word. Shine the light. The Holy Spirit will convict people of sin. It's his job to convict sin. It's his job to save people. I've never saved anyone. Well, I pulled someone out of the water one time in the ocean if you want to call it saved. Help me, I can't get to shore. There was a very strong undertow. Well, I don't save people from their sin. You get it? Not my job, not good enough, I'm not qualified. I couldn't go on a cross. I could, but I wouldn't pay the price for anyone's sin. Because being a sinner, I, I disqualified myself from sacrificing for other sins, just like all of you are disqualified. That's why Jesus had to come and live a sinless life to be the sacrifice for our sin.
but they're going to they're going to demonstrate for us now passing the salt. Uh, excuse me. I, I I can't work here. Uh, pardon? Yes. Here's my resignation. Resignation? Mm -hmm. You just started here like 10 minutes ago. Actually, I never started. Um, I refused the job, and unfortunately, my work refusal wasn't taken seriously, so now I am resigning. Work refusal? Mm hmm I don't understand. What's going on? You serve salad here? Yes. Remember? We're a salad bar. No, I don't remember. It wasn't something you put in the job description, nor did you mention it in the interview. No, I, I believe we did. No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because I refuse to be passed around in a salad bar because I don't salt salad. How, how is that even possible? How, on your interview, you said yourself, hold on, it's right here, word for word. You said you are the salt of the earth. You were born in the Windsor salt mines. Yeah. And from a young age, you knew you were created to be a salt shaker. You said that. Yeah, I did say that because that's true. Very, very true. See, I know that my sole responsibility in life is to influence the dishes I serve by bringing out the best flavors in each and every one of them. So, so how can you refuse to shake salt on salad? Because salad isn't a food group that I serve. Excuse me? It's not even a food group. Come on, it's like vegetables, nuts, plus cheese, plus meat, plus fruit, plus a huh. It's just really scary, and I'm feeling really vulnerable right now. It's a mixed salad, and it deserves a little bit of salt like all the other dishes we serve. Read my salty lips, lady. I don't salt salad. But, but you're a salt shaker. Not for salad. Have a blessed day. I'm going to shake on over to the steakhouse. That's so funny. But it's so true. How many times do we try to determine who we want to preach to, who we want to share faith with? Well, I'll share faith with my neighbors, but not my coworkers. Like, my goodness, I wouldn't want them to know I'm a Christian. Or I'll share faith with my coworkers, but not my family. My goodness. Or man, I've grown up with these people. We've hung out forever. I couldn't dare to let them know I'm a Christian. Do we really get to choose who we share faith with? Do we really get to be like the salt shaker? <laughs> and say, no, I don't want to preach to you? Or no, you don't deserve it? Do you know that, think of the person you hate the most, the most despicable person you can think of. I don't want to know who it is. I don't care. Do you know that God loves him or her? And Jesus died for them. 
just the same. And he wants to see them in heaven with you. See, it don't matter. <laughs> Matthew 9 tells us this. Jesus in verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers in the fields. You know what the truth is? You know who the last day workers who are supposed to go into the harvest are? You and me. We're the workers that need to go out into the harvest. But if we start refusing work, what is that going to do to the mission that God has called you to? How is that going to affect your life? How is that going to affect your eternity? Because God has given all of us a mission. You know, years ago, before some of you were even born, young folks. There was a singer named Keith Green. And some of you don't even know who he is. Unfortunately, he was far ahead of his time and he died in a plane crash far before his time. He wrote a song some of you would know, Created Me a Clean Heart, O God. But the song I want to get to today that he wrote was Jesus Commands Us to Go. And he sang about how Jesus commands us to go and tell others. Jesus commands us to pass the salt. And the truth is, God is not interested in your excuses. You don't get a pass because of what you're going through. You don't get a free pass in Christianity because of what happened to you right now or what circumstance you're facing or what experience you think you've had to deal with. And I'm not diminishing any of your lived experience. What I'm saying is it doesn't give us a pass. We don't get to disobey God because. You don't get to disobey God because of how you feel about it. You don't get to disobey God because the Holy Spirit told you you don't have to. Well, pastor, I prayed about it and I felt that God just told me that I don't have to do that right now. No, he didn't. Are you telling me that God's not talking to me? He didn't say that. With 100% certainty, I can assure you God didn't tell you something that contradicts what he's already revealed to you in his written word. The Bible, God says he's also his written word, even above his name. In other words, he can't speak to your heart something that goes directly against what is revealed word to you, the word of God, the Bible has already told you. And if Jesus said in the Bible to go and make disciples, go and share your faith, let your light shine, the Holy Spirit's not going to tell you you don't have to. I think you're missing it on that one. Willful disobedience. Hey, preacher. <laughs> I showed up for church today. Where's my sticker? You know what? I'll get you a stack of stickers, if that's your thing. But a stack of stickers isn't going to please God. Obedience is what pleases God. 
And the truth is, if you're praying and you're listening to his voice, or maybe some of you just talk at him daily, and sometimes you pick up his book and start reading it, and some of you just glance in God's general direction, how are you going to hear his voice and his instructions for you today if you never spend any time in his presence? Think about that. How is God going to be able to communicate to you what he would like you to do today, what your mission is for today, if you're not spending any time talking to him or listening to him? Here's the excuses. I just don't care about the loss. I got enough problems of my own. Or maybe you're just selfish and full of pride or concerned more about the latest gossip. Very stuck on your own stuff not interested in building God's kingdom. We need to lay it all down daily. Isn't that what he told us to do? Daily we die? He died for us. I don't want to drop this mic. It's working. (laughs) Truth is, God died for us. He made a way for us. We can lay our stuff down daily like he tells us to. I hear people say, well, I don't know what to say. I just don't know, lack of knowledge. Yeah, listen to the Holy Spirit and trust that he's going to fill our mouth with the words that we need to speak. I laugh about this, and I love telling the story. We were down in the streets of Dallas. It was Texas OU weekend, and there was hundreds of thousands of people down there partying. We were sharing faith on the streets. But there was other faiths down there, too, and the, the best one was the, I think they were Hare Krishnas, and they had their togas and their tambourines. And they're kind of doing their little dances and chants and, you know, ding, 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 I'm not trying to make fun of them. I'm just saying they were doing their thing. But here's what I want to get to. After they were done, I went to the guy at the end of the line. I said, hey, tell me about your religion. And he goes, well, I think you should talk to him. I'm kind of new. And I worked my way up the chain to the guy at the front of the line. And I'll never forget he started telling me all this stuff. And he was, blah, 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 we believe this, and we believe this, and we believe this. And in the middle of it, the Holy Spirit just said, look down. And when I looked down and saw his leather shoes, I said, are those leather shoes? And his response to me was simply this, you got me. And I remember I looked in and I said, what do you mean I got you? Your whole eternity is hinged on this belief system and I got you in like 10 seconds into a conversation. It turns out in this case that he knew God at one point and went through some really tough times in Christianity and walked away from God into a false belief system. So we prayed and he left the false religion and came back to the true God. And then I sent him to a church down in his region where he was from. But see, the Holy Spirit's going to reveal to you in the moment what you, need to, what you need to say or what you need to do, you know. And uh, remember we did that with Bobby over at the circus when all the protesters were out there? <laughs> you know, another time I was sharing faith and a young man came out and he was rather educated in what they call the liberal arts. And he was like, what's your favorite line of poetry? And I could have quoted something from Psalms or Proverbs that was good wisdom, but I just felt to say, 
Well, two roads diverged in the wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Sir Robert Frost. This particular kid loved Sir Robert Frost, and I used that as an opportunity to explain to him that Christianity is the road less traveled by, and that has given me the fullest life possible. And, you know, we got to pray, and he committed his life to Christ that day because the Holy Spirit is who opens the door to people in the moment. And the thing is, you don't have to have all the answers. I don't have all the answers. I don't claim to know everything. Believe me, I don't. Anyone that claims to know all the answers, don't listen to them. Only God knows everything. You can listen to him. But if it's not God talking and they claim to know all the answers, run away. Most non-believers don't ask you to dissect the book of Hezekiah. Case in point, there is no book of Hezekiah. See what I mean? They don't ask the deep theological questions the vast majority of the time. Every now and then, someone that knew God and is running away from him because they got wounded or hurt or something, they might try to throw some stuff, some smoke. Why do bad things happen to good people? And I look at them and say, because they're alive. Next question. Why do we feel like we have to reason with silliness and foolishness? The truth is the Bible says every man knows in his heart that there's a God. <sighs> People want to know, can God change my life? Can God restore my brokenness? Can God heal my marriage? Can God forgive me of my sin? You don't know what I've done, but can God take away my shame? Can God heal me of this pain? That's what people want to know. Can God help me just as I am? Can he help me in the struggle? Can he forgive me? You don't know what I've done. We need to pass the salt. Because the obvious answer to all of us that's glaring in our face is absolutely God can. Look what he did for us. Can you live a life that's congruent or harmonious with your beliefs? If you declare that you're a Christian, can you live a Christian life? Absolutely you can. And when you live the Christian life, guess what? You're passing the salt. You're seasoning the world around you. Can you demonstrate kindness to others? Or is that against your belief system? I think it's within all of your capacity to show kindness to others. As Christ has changed our hearts, it's very normal for us to want to do that. Can you share what God has done for you? Can you share your story? Can you tell your story about what God's done for you? I can't tell your story. Only you can tell your story. But has God changed your life? Has God taken your brokenness and changed it into wholeness? Or guess what? Maybe you're somewhere in between. You know what? I was really broken before, but God's working in my life, and I'm better than I used to be, and I'm moving in this direction, and it's a process, but I'm working towards completeness in Christ. Anyone there? Can you tell your story? Because that's really what people want to hear. They want to hear your story. And the truth is, people can argue with you on doctrine all day, but they can't argue with your experience. We share reconciliation to God, 2 Corinthians 5. So we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. 
This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. Didn't we talk about that last week? The old is gone, the new has come. You got to get that. The old is gone, finished, depleted. The new has come. It's arrived. It's here. And all this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God's given us the task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. Do you know that you represent the king here on earth as an ambassador? You're an ambassador of heaven. And here's the kicker. He's not too concerned about your thoughts on his policies. His word has stood the test of time. It's proven. It's truth. It's been backed up. It's established. And it changes people's lives. But you, as an ambassador of the king, when you are walking here on earth, you must remember that your primary citizenship is in heaven. And you have an obligation to represent your king and let your light shine everywhere you go at all times. Some of you are really happy about that. But as an ambassador of heaven, do you not understand that you carry the authority of heaven with you? That's why when you're sharing faith with others, you're sharing the goodness of God about reconciliation and you're sharing the message of hope that God has placed inside of you with others. He backs up the preaching of the word with what? Signs, wonders, and miracles. Why? Because you're an authority carrier. You carry the authority of heaven. This is why the demonic flee Christians. Because we're ambassadors, we represent Christ on earth. When you come into contact with the kingdom of Satan, they're afraid of you. Why? Because you represent heaven. You have the authority of heaven. It's not you that they're afraid of. It's him that they're afraid of. We're instruments of reconciliation and healing. We represent him in attitude and in action. You know, one of the things that I think is really important connected to this conversation is we seek reconciliation with God with, with a freedom of conscience. You can read it in First Peter. I'm not going to go there right now. But even when people get baptized, they do so why? Out of a response to God from a clean conscience. They want to have their mind renewed to truth. They want to have their identity in Christ. See, when you're obedient to Christ and you submit to his plan for your life, and you identify with him, you're walking as his ambassador here on earth. But it does require obedience and submission and realizing who you are in Christ and who he made you to be. So many people see themselves in the mirror through the lens of the old creation. They don't see themselves in the mirror as the new creation, who God has made you to be now and who he's called you to be you got to stop looking behind and start looking ahead. Because the power of God is activated inside of you. He's transforming you into his image and likeness. And he wants you to succeed. He wants you to overcome. He wants you to shine forth brightly. He's made you to win. 
and to overcome and to succeed and to be confident in who he has made you to be. Not in our own self, but in Christ that lives within us. Come on up, Mary. Good morning. Um, Pastor and I, RJ and I, were just chatting in between services. And I was, we just uh, were talking about just the message and how it just had uh, impacted our own hearts as we are um, sharing the message of hope with you. Because how many of you know that when we're up here sharing with you the message, that it's a message for us too, not just for a message for you. It's a message for us. It's doing a work in our own hearts as we're sharing it with you. And something that was really impressed upon me by the Holy Spirit is just really emphasizing that, you know, as we pass the salt, my salt that I'm passing isn't necessarily going to look like your salt. And the salt that somebody else passes isn't going to necessarily look like the salt that was just passed. And the reason being is that it's, as Pastor Arjo was saying, is it's your story. It belongs to you. And only you are able to share that story. But in that story, we have to make sure that we're communicating that, you know, but for the grace of God, there go I. Like, I'm no better than you. And the people that God puts us in relationship with, that the Holy Spirit brings across our path, it's not by coincidence. It's by divine appointment. And there's a reason. There's a purpose that God does those things for. And when we are just real with people, genuine with people, doing life with people shoulder to shoulder, that we are able to just pass the salt. Because if God is working in us, that means our salvation is being worked inside of us first, not outside of us, because it's not a performance it should never be something that you're trying to live up to or it's this performance that you're doing for other people. It's something that's an overflow of what's already been deposited inside of you. So when that overflow is coming out and you're just real, you're just, you know what? You're having a bad day. You know what? It's okay to have a bad day. And being real with the people that you're with and going, you know what? Today, it's... The struggle is real today. I'm having a bad day. I need to just, you know, have some quiet time or go pray or whatever. But we need to make sure that we're taking those, that we're not presenting ourselves as better than, you know, those unsafe people. That we're walking alongside them. And sometimes it's really important just to know when the Holy Spirit is saying, all you need to do is just listen. You don't need to say anything. You just need to listen. You don't need to speak a word. And there's other times where he's asking you to share some of your story. You know, for me, like, I have teenage daughters. I have four girls. And I work, I happen to work with a lot of people. What did he do? Oh. I happen to work with some people who also have daughters. And a great place of relation, like, to be relational and connect with them is share about our imperfect family life. And that, yep, my, I have a family, I have my wonderful husband, I have kids that sometimes frustrate me as I'm sure they frustrate you as well. And that when we talk together about our stories, though, 
we handle the situations differently and I'm not hesitant about sharing how I might handle a situation differently or how I might do something differently or what I'm comfortable with in, in our lifestyle and what I'm not comfortable with within our lifestyle. And it's, it's not that I'm afraid to share, it's I'm sharing from a place of we're on the same, we're the sa same, we're relational together. And it's a place of when they're, they have an open ear, they're listening, they're not looking at me saying, oh, here she goes, she's just preaching again, her and her Christian stuff or whatever in that church. But they're listening to me because I'm, I'm doing life with them. And I'm willing to be open and share about my struggle. And does my life look perfect? No, it doesn't look perfect. It's with, I'm doing life with Jesus though. And when I'm doing life with him, I'm believing God and I'm asking him that the overflow of what he's deposited inside of me is getting on to them. And that, you know, oftentimes when we're talking, and we'll share, they'll come to me for advice. They'll come to me for, you know, can you pray for whatever, a circumstance. And that's not because they view me as better than them, but that they desire, want that connection that I have. And I'm, and I want to be able to share that with them. And if I can bring them any closer to that, then when God is working in me and through me, that's what I want to be able to do. Amen. Just by being real, just by being who God made me to be. And it's not about competing or comparing our lives to one another, but being able to just say, this is my story and it's not perfect, but to God be all the glory. Amen. Could everyone please stand for communion at this time? So let me just be clear. The perfect spouse looks at the imperfect spouse. <laughs> Hold on, I'm not done. If Jesus is the groom and we're the bridegroom, he's the perfect spouse and we're the imperfect spouse. I tricked you. He's perfecting the church without spot or blemish. He's working on us. Fathers, we have the bread in our hand, I thank you. That no matter where we're at today, in our relationship with you, that you encourage us, you love us, you died for us, you made a way for us. And you want to illuminate our path each day with your word and direct us and lead us. I thank you for the many opportunities that we have every day to let our light shine. Let us never be ashamed or afraid of you or to share your love with others. No matter what they may think in the end, Lord, we want to please you first and foremost. So I thank you for boldness and courage and faith to rise up in the hearts of every man and woman here. And Lord, as we're at the table with your body that was broken, I declare healing. I release healing to flow through each person here. That our blood is healthy, our cells are healthy, our organs function as they were created. That hearts are being restored to wholeness and that minds are at peace and whole now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Heavenly Father, as we receive the cup this morning, I thank you, Lord, for the ministry of your word. I thank you for the reminder that you've given us to pass the salt, pass along hope, to share hope, 
to give hope. Lord God, we know and we remember and we, you do everything through relationship, God. And we thank you and we praise you, Lord, that you choose to work in your people, to work through your people, in your children, to work through to your children because you love us so much. So we thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness that when we step out and we are obedient to share hope, to share your message, to share your truth, to share your love, that we don't need to step out in fear. We don't need to step out in weakness, but we step out into your strength, Lord God. And we thank you that because you are faithful, you always show up. You always do what you said you would do and your promises are yes and amen. So we thank you, Lord, that as we receive the cup this morning, that we would remember your great sacrifice, that we would remember how you came to share hope with us, to give us hope, and that it doesn't stop with us, but instead it continues to go out from the overflow that you've put inside of us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. So you may as well remain standing. At this time of the service, we receive tithes and offerings, and we know that God loves a cheerful giver. And Lord, we, and, and, Lord, we, and we are grateful for your faithfulness in this arena of tithes and offerings. You know, the Bible does teach clearly that if we practice the seed time and harvest and keep the tithe holy, that God gets involved in our finances and we do more with the money that he's entrusted to us. So let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for the seed in our hands. May it never leave our life. And I thank you as men and women so, Lord, in faith that you multiply their seed and you rebuke the devourer from their life. Lord, for those that give to the poor and those that sow and other things, I thank you that you multiply their seed and continue to give seed to the sower. Good measure and pressed down and shaken together and flowing over. Lord, as we go, I thank you that we can truly let our light shine. We can truly pass the salt and take the love of God that you've placed in our hearts and share it with others. It's a mandate, it's a command. And Lord, as we realize who we are and who you've made us to be, that we carry authority on earth with you, I thank you that your children go forth boldly and declare your goodness. They declare your love and they declare hope. Because there's many that need the hope that only you can give. And as we leave, I thank you that as your word says, you're faithful to complete the work that you began in our lives until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you all. Have a fantastic week. We will look forward to worshiping with you next time.